you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the Library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Ada. Jude, Ada, it's been a fucking month. How you doing? I'm doing well. I same here. I I have uh I have you know pretty much re- recovered from, you know, the the cold that's been plaguing me and uh my husband also seems to be on the mend. So things are looking looking up. I think everybody here on this podcast was sick over over the holidays. I think we all had variants of the same bug from from the description here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is honestly impressive considering that that none of us share an area code. Right. <laughs> or a state. Yeah. We barely share <laughs> geographic regions. I mean, other than being No, we don't even a, share time zones. We, we, Jesus yeah, we don't Christ. we don't share Well, no, Jude and I share time zones. We're in, oh, yeah, right. that's what I was going to say. The only thing we share is time zones. We're Anna and I are both in EST, and that's oh. it. And yet we all got the I same. I can't goal. remember where Ohio is. I, I so I don't know whether this is better or worse, but I came down with it on my first day back to work after the holidays. <laughs> that's um, honestly the way you want to do it. I got sick. No, except I had so much shit to do. I couldn't. Uh. I I only took like half a day. Oh well, that sucks. Yeah, it's not. That's not how you want to. And and it was just me, me like working through the ninety nine point seven degree fever. Oh, see, yeah, I just was on vacation uh, in Delaware, and I literally just laid in bed and let my uh, my my kids' cousins like run around the house with him, and didn't parent for like four straight days, and just slept and felt sick. It was great. It was fantastic. Practically (laughs) a vacation. I was sick the week between Christmas and New Year, which overall I think is possibly the best time to get sick because it's like work is dead and I was just like I could spend a week. Like nothing happens that week. It's a, it is a yeah. week that does not exist. The only problem was I was like the the way that the way that our my work does PTO is there's like 20 different categories of PTO. Um and like Stoned out of my gourd, Justin, on, like, flu meds. Took, like, three hours to figure out what PTO I still had for, that I could use in the situation on, that like, Friday. Like the situation where they're trying to fuck you. I was, like, I, I mean, well, I mean, it was, like, basically, it was, like, I know I can use these, and I'm trying to remember what this was, and I'm, like, and I don't want to email anybody, because I don't, because if I let anybody know that I'm actually signed in, they will start asking questions of me. Yeah. And and I don't <laughs> trust myself to have an HR-friendly conversation with anybody in my work right now. Um, That's valid. Yeah. And I mean, like it was all over, but it was just like, I was just like, I can't use this. I can't use, I could use this. Okay. We're good. We're good. It was close, <laughs> but we got there. At, That's funny. See, at least, at least the like PTO in a million different categories is superior to the, you have one bucket and all of your sick and vacation time comes out of the same bucket. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yeah. I mean, part of it is I live in California where it's like mm-hmm. you have to have certain like you you are mandated by state law to have at least three sick days. Yeah, you're you're in the only state that has labor laws. Yeah. I, well, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, comparatively, <laughs> sure. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, I mean, like and part of it is a system we use where I have 20 days worth of PTO for jury duty. And I have like 40 days of PTO for paternity, like for paternity leave. And I'm like, and so whenever I, whenever I click in and it's like, oh, you have like 800 hours. And it's like, yeah, but these are all, these are all fake PTO hours. 
It's only fake until you have a kid, Justin. Um, well, thankfully, that is, I mean, I guess, like, I'm thankfully because I'm never going to use it, but, like, I'm never going to use it. <laughs> Do you think cats count? Um, probably not. I, like, California is very gracious, like, and my employers are very gracious, but I think I still might have a rough time running that through. Something to look into. Yeah. It just reminds me of the the Ask Manager post when somebody wanted to use uh wanted to use like parental leave for a new puppy or something like that. And <laughs> Ask Manager was just like, No. No, that no. That's Where do you think we for. live? Sweden? <laughs> uh we're covered two episodes tonight. Those are episodes eighteen and nineteen of season three, Allegiance, and most likely two. I am doing uh, Allegiance, so um, I shall take it away. Uh, Allegiance, uh, Season 3, Episode 18, was written by Tony Camarino and directed by Jeffrey Hunt. Our number in this episode is Maria Martinez, an engineer for an energy company called Hydrocorp, which makes like electri- uh, which is a power company. They make generators. That's That's what they do. So, you know, like power plant shit. Maria has some suspicious meetings and receives a package, and recent Shaw thinks she might be a terrorist and a relevant number, though Root calls in and says, no, it's not relevant. I don't know anything about your number. Um, She is working with a man named Jamal Rashaw, whose brother Omar is being held in custody on suspicion of terrorism. They find that Maria is surveilling a French diplomat, René Lapointe, who is in charge over whether Omar will receive asylum. Maria plants a tracker on LaPuan's car and follows him. The package she receives is not a bomb, but supposed evidence that Omar is not a terrorist, which she presents to Renee. But LaPuan refuses to reveal what evidence they have. She is saved from being thrown out of a party by a Greek diplomat, Christos Sivan. John and Harold go undercover as lawyers to get access to LaPuan's evidence, which turn out to be uh, sketchy at best. When Maria goes home, a Frenchman attacks her in the elevator, but Shaw takes him down and discovers he is a member of the Foreign Legion. The gang stop the rest of the Legionnaires and take Maria back to a safe house, where Maria reveals that Omar had information about missing generators from a project they worked together on in Iraq. Harold gets access to speak with Omar in prison, where he reveals that the generators for the project were never installed after Maria left. The contract moving the generators out of Iraq was signed by Maria's boss, Ken Davis. Maria reveals to Shaw that she is in love with Omar, and Shaw revealed that her mother was an academic in Iraq, and she knows what Maria is going through. They figure out that Davis forged a letter from the Iraqi government to finger Omar as a terrorist, but they can't arrest Davis or Lapointe yet. Maria escapes the safe room and heads to the UN, while Reese abducts Omar to rescue him. As Maria breaks into Lapointe's office, the boys pose as firefighters. Maria finds the faked letter from the Iraqi government, and Lapointe walks in on them. As he demands to know what is going on, Savan shoots him, revealing that he is also a legionnaire. (laughs) He's working with Davis for greedy purposes. I don't know. Fuck it. Um, The boys save Maria from Savan and are able to pin the generator's theft on him with customs documents. Omar's asylum gets approved. And while him and Maria are celebrating, Fusco gets Shaw a glass of champagne for the Persian New Year. Shaw reveals that the restaurant is where her parents had their first date. Meanwhile, Root is trying to track Greer. She wants to eliminate him, as the chip has already been engineered and copied to run Samaritan at full power. Root tries tailing him through a subway station, but he uses various assets to lose her in the machine's tracking. Root then borrows the greatest tracking device known to mankind, Bear! Da, 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 da. <laughs> She tails him to a meeting with, oh, hey, it's Ken Davis from the other plot. The generators are going to be used to power Samaritan. Greer has Davis killed, and this time, Root is able to follow Greer uh, using Bear's tracking through the subway. She confronts Greer, and he offers a position, but she declines. Sensible. This episode has so much good Bear content. It really does. The start of the episode with, like, Bear in the library, like, sniffing out the treats. And, yes. and, and John's like, he's a working dog. He's going to do shit like this. <laughs> you have to give him, like, you have to give him engagement. That dog needs a job at all times. This, both this and the next episode, uh, but it, particularly this one, are great examples of how of what this show 
uh, has turned into where it doesn't really have number episodes anymore. The numbers always have to do with the main plot. Not always directly. Like this this episode, the number plot is directly related to the meta plot. Uh, As we'll see next episode, it's not as directly related, but they sort of abandoned the idea of number of the week. Yeah. They've gotten, they've evolved that concept for the most part into being more interesting and they've kind of grown the storytelling now to uh in in interesting ways and i i really enjoy it that uh the the narrative story the the long form storytelling is worked into these number of the week stories so you still get the fun you know rotating door of weird numbers of the week but you still get the meta plot in these sorts of episodes i think that part of that is that i mean part a part of that is i think the the writing staff now, like now being like you are we are two and a half seasons in here near nearly a full three and it's both confidence in the format mm-hmm. and i mean we could say i mean if we want to if we want to get into this a little bit that it is representing the evolution of the machine itself mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah in a lot of ways it is of its thinking becoming more unrestrained and being able to weave and point the boys in directions yeah yeah. But I, I like this episode. Yeah. Uh, this is an episode solid. that I always forget about on a rewatch, but I really enjoy it. It's it's got it's got a nice mix of like, you know, solid plot content for the meta plot and like fun, lighthearted stuff. Mm-hmm. The scenes with Root tracking Greer are I forgot how good they were until I sat and watched them for this episode. Cause that is some like mm-hmm. It is such a person of interest take on like classic spycraft scenes from like any spy movie, like not like Bond spy, but like actual spy movie. Like <laughs> you, you would totally see that, like somebody trying to follow a person and changing their footsteps and like a classic, like evading a tail sequence, um, mm-hmm. but done with like POI's twist on it and I really love that sequence, uh, both versions of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really like, it, it's a fun scene because it's like, I mean, it's doing, yeah, it's doing that, tr- it's doing that like format and it's being, sh- it's shot well in, in that spot, in that spy thriller sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I, I think this is really the first hint we get of Greer's background. Isn't this yeah. the first time we get a name for him? I believe it is, though we've been calling him by name for ages because I yeah. don't remember when his name gets introduced. And I, I've just been calling him Uncle Nolan. Yeah. But now we know that his name is Greer. Yeah. I have a distinct recollection of when I was watching this show lo- like live when I was watching it with my wife. I remember watching and this episode thinking, man, Greer is moving fucking fast. They just stole that chip. And now they've already got these generators and they're copying the chip. And now I look back on that and I, I think like, boy, howdy. I, I, I remember this, this episode and that, that moment where like you see that Root is trying to like pump the brakes on Samaritan and you, you realize that Greer is not fucking around, I think is kind of what I'm trying to get to here. You really see yeah. that they've, they've got a plan and they are... You know, this is not something that they're messing about with. They are, you know, all gas, no brakes on this. Yeah. And it feels to mm-hmm. me like it, it really emphasizes that like Greer and Desma have been putting things in place for a long time to get something like Samaritan. Yeah. And yeah. and it shows the like even without having the machine that Desima's infrastructure and resources are already miles beyond what you might even suspect whether it's that they're out i mean it's it's hinted that greer has connections to the chinese government and maybe one of those chip manufacturing plants in china is producing that chip and thousands of it yeah overall it shows you oh wow this is happening really fast yeah yeah they they describe decima i think i don't think it's in this episode i think it's in an earlier version an, or an earlier episode as like a private CIA, basically like that. 
yeah, or something they're, like that. Yeah, they're like a a private espionage, like a private security service, basically. Yeah, and I think this is an episode where you really get that sense of this is two people, well, four now, four people and a dog, and a <laughs> godlike supercomputer trying to fight against a you know a private uh, spy network that has been around for a while and knows what it's doing. And no matter how talented those four people are, they're out the fuck classed, man. They're just outgunned. And that this is, they're, this, they're really starting to like suffer for that. Mm-hmm. With it, with it being uh, four people and a dog, which one is which Scooby though? Um, oh. <laughs> hold on. I've got this. I've got this. No, Reese is clearly Scooby. No, like which one is which one is who? Yeah, Harold oh, no. is Velma. Yeah, mm-hmm. Reese Both is the love of books and the glasses. <laughs> Reese is Shaggy. God, um, he is. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, Shaw is is Daphne. Sure, and that means Fred is Fusco. I don't think this is a very good one to one. Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> And then Root would be like, yeah. I think I think the problem is I think somebody needs to swap with the dog. <laughs> I think Reese is the dog. Yeah, I think Reese is the dog. <laughs> no, I, I I really feel like Reese is because who else is no is, Fusco? Okay, no, 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 no. We're doing this. So Fusco is Shaggy. No, you're yeah. right. Shit, Fusco yeah. is Shaggy. Yeah, that's yeah. the Fusco thing that. That's the thing that like breaks yeah. that. Thing. Like I, I, I'm taking root. Root is like the mystery machine at this point. Uh, right. Um, so it's <laughs> so Shaw. Shaw is Shaw is Daphne. Harold is Velma. Fusco is Shaggy. <laughs> and that means that that bear is Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. <laughs> this is the act. This this is the canonical translation. Yep. Somebody, yep. we need we need fan art of this. I was just bad. about to say who are who who are we commissioning to do this art now? <laughs> is Jess um, busy? Can we get Jess on this? So i I do want to do uh, hey I know that face, um, which is the High Commissioner Renee Lapointe. Lapointe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I they say that name so many different ways in this episode. Yeah. Shaw's <laughs> um, not the only one who can't speak French. Yeah. I mean, I took like two years of French and I remember none of it. Um so I mean uh, I lived I lived in Montreal for eight years and I remember none of it. So uh so Michael Gill uh was I mean he like the, the thing that like we pro like that I know from his House of Cards, where he played uh the president for like a couple seasons. Uh, he was also a Mr. Robot. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, he's nice. And the funny thing about his French accent is that it is genuine. Oh, wow. Um, his first language is French. That's like finding out that remember the, uh, the Interpol agent. <laughs> yes. From a couple yeah. of episodes ago, similar situation where, yeah. <laughs> uh, spe- speaking of French though, so the French Foreign Legion is hilarious that it's in here to me just, because it is one of those things that has had like is permeated culture as so many jokes that yeah. I legitimate my brain legitimately refuses to accept that it is a real thing that exists. Is it? It yes. is. Yeah, it is. No. It's not just a joke. Okay. It's not just like the world's biggest shaggy dog story. Yeah, no, like the, it's it's a legit thing. Like the Nine thousand dudes in the Foreign Legion. <laughs> How many of them have been beaten up by Shaggy and Scooby, though? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. We shall say it's definitely an organization that has a, we'll say, problematic history. A bunch of shit ton of imperialism. Um, <laughs> um, but having to write like legionnaires a half dozen times in this outline was probably the most I've ever read of the word legionnaire and 
I gave up trying to remember whether it was one N or two N's. <laughs> uh, what else did we like in this episode? Um, we've got a, we've got a, some funny bits. Like we've got um, the, when the the dude is like coming at Reese with the like mm-hmm. really fancy knife skills, and he just shoots the fucker in the knee. God, I yeah. never. I love an Indiana Jones bit. It's great. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, um, and just. Uh, top tier um shaw and fusco content like oh they God. they yeah. continue to be one of my favorite sets of characters to pair off against each other um yeah. like the, the chemistry that they have is amazing yeah yeah and i mean there's there's a there's some good root bits for like backstory of this episode like we find out that her mother was an academic in mm-hmm. um iran who her you mean father shaw bits. Shabbats, Shabbats. Oh, gosh, I'm getting the wires crossed. Uh, but yeah, we find out that her mother was an academic in Iran whose fa- and her father helped get her out of the country during a re- during the revolution, which I think is like it's it's an interesting bit of like learning a little bit uh, about mm-hmm. Shaw's backstory. But the yeah. part that really is like delightful for me is there's like a running bit through the episode about how like Fusca is uncivilized. Right, and, like doesn't right. know about other people, but he's like, I live in New York. I know a lot about other people. I just, you know, you know, so it, so it is filtered through America. But he like he unprompted buys her a drink for Persian New Year, which is like it's yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, he he knows a lot about other people. It's just what he knows is which what a you know a, a street level New York cop would know. So yes, he may not know anything like all this fancy stuff that Reese in his globetrotting murder someone on every continent shenanigans would know but he knows that he he knows enough to buy shaw a drink and he probably knows where to buy the best form of sausage for every culture you know like <laughs> yeah. the man knows the man knows everything about what the world has to offer the city of new york i'm, I'm sure that he is fully versed on the on the street food of every i was culture. just gonna say yeah. if you need an expert in the street foods of every culture that has a, a, a presence in, in New York City, Fusco's your man. Like, I'm sure that he knows, like, the best, the best, like, cart for every single if it is type either, of food. If it is either dough that has been fried or meat that it has been wrapped in fried something, he knows where to get it for a culture, for, for any, for like <laughs> yeah. any continent. Speaking of continents, what do you think the odds are that, that Reese has killed someone in Antarctica? 100%. Extremely high. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, between between working for the machine and working for the CIA, I mean, it has to be 100%. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, also, I just it, find it very funny that Shaw doesn't speak French. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're... If you're in, I actually like, really love that because Shaw has this thread of, like, hot, competent, but also, like, a little bit rough around the edges, like, not classy. And I think having her be like totally fr- like ignorant of French is a is a nice bit of shorthand for that to like emphasize that. Yeah, I I just think it's like funny of like I hold on. Is there a, do we, there's do, a bunch of other languages she knows? It just doesn't know French. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's it's a nice yeah. way of saying that like this is a this is someone who is great at a lot of things, but if it's anything remotely classy. You know, like she struggles sometimes. Like she can look good in a dress as long as there's a gun under it, and she can speak a ton of languages as long as it's not French. As like, long as it's a, as long as it's you know from a country that she's had an op, you know, had some sort of op in, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, so I looked this up because I was like, the wiki has to have what language is as she speaks. So in in the series, she is confirmed to like speak or at least be convert like conversational in German, Farsi and Spanish. Which yeah. operationally, yeah. yeah, that works. Yeah. Which yeah. but like, you know, you know, it's like French is like, you know, at least in the western hemisphere like, you know, second or third most common language. You'd th- you'd think they'd like ship her off 8 weeks at Monterey Bay. You would well, I mean, especially I mean, if you're doing any kind of operational activity in yeah. Europe or North Africa, it's a pretty useful language to speak. Yeah. Mhm. Though yeah. the odds are also that, like, I mean, most Europeans, but like a lot of Europeans also speak English. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And she's got the German to cover that. So, I mean, you know, if I'm making Shaw as a character, you know, that's... uh... (laughs) Yeah. I would take French before I would take German, though, because Germans, I mean, there's not a a boatload of actual German terrorist activity that you would need German to 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 work with. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I will say, have you Living. Nazis? <laughs> yeah, but not, a lot of them don't speak German. Well, I mean, the ones in Germany do. There's not a lot of neo-Nazis in Germany. Uh, all right. Uh, the German, the German go- I mean, there, there are some, yeah. certainly, but the German government handles that fine. They know uh, what's up. Did you, I'm going to derail this conversation. I'm not sorry, Aaron. <laughs> um, did you see about the, the guy who claimed to be a descendant of a German prince? Uh, who tried to do a, a January 6th on Germany oh, earlier this year? I did not. That's hilarious. Early, or late last year. I love this. Like, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, like in a very morbid way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it didn't go well for him. Yeah. Uh, and the German government responded with all the alacrity uh, and uh, fervor that one would hope your government would, would respond with when a group of people try to uh, plan to storm a center of government. Uh, and take it over. But I found it highly amusing that they were like, let's return to royalty. That's the ticket. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's really going to do it, man. Anyway. I wanted to point out something interesting from this episode, which is that not only is it the first time that we get Greer's name, I think that this is the first time that Harold calls Root Root. Hmm. Like, calls her by name he's said root before but it's the first time he says he calls her that like he addresses her as root yeah yeah um and it's it's a it's honestly a huge change yeah he's accepted her as a as a if not part of the team then that they are on the same side and working as a part of the machines team even if they're not on one team but yeah after the events of the last of the last stretch of episodes i think it's pretty clear that like he's accepted that for better or for worse you know she she's got the right goals and she's on their team yeah and i and i'm happy that you know he's calling her by the name that she's chosen now uh because it was starting to feel it was starting to feel kind of uncomfortable to me that he kept referring like that you'd have a conversation where like you know Mm -hmm. you'd continue to refer to her as Ms. Groves, uh, and it clearly made her very uncomfortable. Yeah, it felt a little dead namey. Yeah, Shaw has a very cute nickname for Rude in this episode: Cochlear Cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just oh love. my gosh, that's God. The two of them. Anything else that we want to talk about for this one? I don't think so. I don't think so. It was a solid episode. Yep. All right. Uh, now for fun shit. <laughs> the next one, yeah. Uh, so next one is episode uh, 19 of season three, most likely to dot, dot, dot. Written by Melissa Scribner-Love and Denise Tay and directed by Kevin Hooks. Our number this week is Leona Wainwright, who works in D.C. as head of security clearances for OPM and is in New York City to see Mamma Mia. Shaw and John have will have to tail her into the theater and, oh, wait, uh, sorry, never mind. Vigilance just killed her in her cab. By blowing up the cab. Like, yeah, let's... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it escalates very quickly. A new number comes in, and we split the party. Harold and Fusco are off to D.C. to get to Leona's documents before Vigilance does, and John and Shaw need to investigate the number, uh, their new number, uh, prosecutor Matthew Reed at his high school reunion in Westchester. So, of course, this means that we get one of the best tropes of all time. John and Shaw must go undercover at the reunion with John taking the place of a philandering mattress salesman and Shaw a uh, to be clear, he's not just any philandering mattress salesman. He's the mattress king of Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> might, might, might be my favorite line of this entire episode. Oh. Uh, and, it's I, had, and that's got I a lot of competition. In this outline, but I, I really do believe it, that 
Uh, he w- that would make a great like Call of Cthulhu character, <laughs> like the mattress king of Kenosha, Washington or Wisconsin. Uh, gosh, like a ki- like a king in yellow or like a I don't know. I feel like there's something there. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, read flirts with Shaw and appears to be uh, targeted at the reunion by a former classmate uh, due to the widespread belief that he murdered his high school girlfriend on prom night. In a plot twist, it turns out that he's actually the one doing the targeting. Instead, his classmate Doug was the actual murderer um, and is also definitely an incel. Uh, And Reed planned to expose and kill Doug at the reunion. Vigilance shows up on the scene targeting John and Shaw uh, because Root had to leak their location to smoke out Vigilance's latest communication method. Whoops! Uh, But are defeated with the help of the contents of the chem lab. Doug is arrested and Matthew accepts that he will probably go to jail, but offer, offers Shaw a booty call first. Uh, I would like to interrupt briefly to take a poll of the host of this podcast as to whether you think Shaw hit it. I, I, I think that is legit. Okay, so legitimately, I think this is the most attract. like in this episode, uh, Reed is like the most attracted to a person not named Root in the series. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm Should going with yes the record, here. Yeah, let the record state that all of us raised our hands. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, carry on. So so in D.C., Harold and Fusco first check out Leona's office, which has been cleaned out by the FBI. Uh, Harold treats Fusco to a snazzy hotel room, and they plot their next moves. Harold hacks into the OPM network, but finds that all of Leona's files have been erased, so they head to evidence storage to crack her safe. They're interrupted, of course, by vigilance themselves, though. Uh, Collier explains to Finch that the team's actions to save the numbers, in fact, alerted Tim to the presence of the machine, uh, and also accuses he accuses Finch of protecting the government. With Fusco and the warehouse guard at gunpoint, Harold hands over the files from the safe and tells Collier that he sympathizes with his cause, but not his methods. They're saved by Root, but Collier escapes with the files and leaks them to the media. In the wake of the press coverage, Control is forced to shut down Northern Lights and shred her report on Collier. Harold plans to stay in D.C. to continue his pursuit of vigilance, and Root learns that all the relevant numbers are now redirected to her. I love this episode. It is the it is like the dark cousin in an appreciative manner of the suburbia episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Where to start? Uh, let's start with the reunion stuff. Let's do that. Uh, I love that it's set, first of all, in Westchester. <laughs> because, like, it's the, like, I mean, it's just, it's the, su- it's, I mean, like, this is the suburbs of New York. But to yeah. us, it is, there's only one thing in Westchester. Yeah, and that's the Xavier, Xavier School for Gifted Mutants. Uh, <laughs> I, just a weird But what about the non-gifted there. mutants, Jude? Where did they go to school? I mean, it, it's had various names throughout the years. It's had um, the Xavier Academy for Higher Learning, um, and then was the, um, or and there's like the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters, or um, the Gene Gray School. Eventually. It's the X-Men. Yeah, for those we, of you who are not cottoning on to our bullshit here, Westchester is the canonical uh, home of the X-Men uh, in, in X-Men comics. Uh, anyway, um, I... Love that Reese in this episode, Reese's job in this episode is to stand around and get slapped. (laughs) That's all he does. He just stands around and gets slapped. And hangs out with a druggie. Hangs out with a stoner. And and hangs out with um hangs out with a stoner, yeah. 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 No, not just any stoner. I mean we should his name is Toke. That may be his name, but it's Shaggy. <laughs> he hangs out with Shaggy. There's no, there's not a dog next to him that we can see. But no, that's because he is the dog. That's right. We've already established yeah. Reese's Reese's the dog. So there you go. My God, it all works. But he legitimately looks just like Shaggy. Uh, yes, it's great. And everything he says is fucking hilarious. I love that character. <laughs> Phil gave it like it's like wow. Phil added like a hundred pounds of muscle and grew like a foot after high school. And Trees is like, what oh, fuck? 
Yeah, he's the only one that has cottoned on to this. Um, I also like when he walks in on the two, on uh, Reese and the Vigilance guy fighting, he's like, holy shit, you guys are ninjas or something like that. It's just yes. like, it's he's such a dummy. He's such a fucking dummy. It's great. I love him. Yeah. Um, uh. But yeah, I like that other than like that one fight scene, Reese's whole job this episode is to stand around and get slapped and over and like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is very much a Shaw does the work episode while Reese gets slapped, um, which is very it. good. And I love, I love just how, just how insulted she is at being the nerd. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the worst, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like. The worst thing that Harold has ever done to her is make her yeah. take not on the just persona like, of this not, nerd. Not just the nerd, but the nerd who blogs about not going to her high school reunion. Yeah, yeah. she is gravely offended about, by by all of this, which I think is very funny. Which, so I was like, I was convinced that the that the real Betty. Um, that Shaw was pers- impersonating was the, going to be the one to show up and like be the one who had orchestrated all of the oh, that's like, funny. stuff. Yeah. Um, I could have seen I mean, that. It, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that the twist that the twist that they had, but like that would have been a really good twist too. <laughs> yeah. Um, that like the, that the real Betty was the one behind everything. I, yeah. I do like that. Like at least partway through the episode, um, Matthew is like, you're not Betty, which yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you're not Betty. <laughs> Yeah. Right. He's like, um, I'm a prosecutor. You are 10 years younger than the rest of us. I can put two and two together. <laughs> yeah. uh, my only points of reference for high school reunions are like this episode and gross point blank. So I don't actually know if high school reunions are anything, what they're like. I just assume that all high school reunions have firefights. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like my only, my only point of reference is just like, the episodes of TV shows where people yeah. go to the high school well, reunion. Well, has, has anyone hosting is has have any of us been to a high school reunion? No, no. I mean, I'm I'm the only one I could have done with the, the only one that I could have done is my tenth. I think fifteen. Fifteen is next year, but yeah, yeah. I I've been invited. 20. I've been invited to speak so. back at my high school for career day, but that's. Uh, fun fact, my high school doesn't know I exist. Uh, I don't get invited back for reunions because I changed my name. So like I tried to join my high school. This was like 10 years ago, but I tried to join my high school's like Facebook group because I was trying to reconnect with a, with a high school classmate of mine um, that I was friends with. And they're school. just like, no, we don't want you back. Well, no, they didn't know who I was. I got my I got turned down because they were like, we don't recognize your name. You didn't go here. It's hilarious. That was funny. That and we've got some we've got some real good fanfic tropes in here too. We've got oh, the yeah. we've got the only one bed. Yeah. <laughs> Except that what are they they both agree that neither of them wants to sleep on it. They both prefer the floor. Gosh. I love when they're when they're like they're unpacking and their suitcases are just guns and surveillance equipment. Not just they, guns. They each no, have one outfit. They each have and not just so they un, they put their suitcases on the bed and they open them and they are identical. <laughs> Identically packed. God. They have yes. one outfit, one toothbrush. They take their outfits out <laughs> and their guns are packed the same. Their outfits packed the same. The only thing difference is Reese has more grenades and Shaw has the, uh, what's it called? Shaw has the surveillance camera that we last saw her using in her premiere episode. The like. Oh yeah, the fiber, opti- yeah. Two- the fiber optic cable. The fiber optic cable thing. And the gas Beautiful. mask. That's the only difference. Do you think she has the nerve gas too? I'm sure there is a canister of nerve gas in that in there too, which leads me to believe though that the ISA has like a a a packing like a packing packing course, yeah, Yeah. a seminar or a VHS tape somewhere on how to pack your guns and one outfit in a suitcase. (laughs) I just want to imagine that it's either Kara or Mark Snow. Who's doing this of like, and has to do like the full Captain America like video yeah. of like, and now here, and you know, if you've got, a, you're going to want to make sure that you're packing for both security of your firearms 
as well as being able to maximize the amount of firepower that you can carry in your luggage. So, with that in mind... (laughs) Common Uh, mistakes. I love it. Grenades all on one side. Distribute the weight for easier carrying. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this would be a Kara thing. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) But she would, like, Kara would write the script and force Mark to do it. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yes. Well, the the other thing I was kind of surprised about from the from the like reunion portion. So at first, I was surprised that apparently like Harold didn't brief either of them on their backstories. But I, you know, thinking back on it, he probably did, and neither of them read it. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Because we know that that's already happened when, when, uh, with the one with the reporter and the like fake yeah. dating. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, hearing Mazzy stars fade into you made me feel su- super fucking old. I don't know if either of you have like the cultural reference for that song. No. That song made me feel fucking 16 and <laughs> so old. Cause that was like the like, emo heartbreak slow jam <laughs> of the late 90s oh. uh also i love that reese reese's one action moment this episode was defeating an assassin with a giant tub of manwich uh which feels really <laughs> appropriate for reese yeah just oh yeah <laughs> extremely on point and then stuffs them in a freezer. Yeah, and 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 is takes the time takes the time to make to make a funny funny joke about the tater tots. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's it's just top tier episode. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. My notes. I have no notes about anything except the reunion. Uh, I watched I'm, the whole episode, well, but I did not make a single note about any of the other stuff. I, I have some notes on the other part, um, which is the first thing. So with the with them having apparently like deleted all of the files off the server. Apparently somebody didn't take their federal records management webinar this year. (laughs) (laughs) Because you, because you know, that, that's that shit, you know, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, archived and stored properly. Um, Also in properly on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) The, the, the words, Black budget. Uh, I don't think they're keeping their black budgets uh, on a Dropbox there. <laughs> Could you imagine accidentally getting file access to like a bunch of illegal, like illegal yes. CIA death squads? I'm 100% sure it has happened. <laughs> There's no way that someone in the CIA has not accidentally put something on a Dropbox before. <laughs> Gosh. I'm just imagining like Treadstone from the like the like Treadstone yeah, right. from the Jason Bourne films of like somebody somebody just like d- like messaging messaging like the head of the CIA. So I don't know if you meant to CC me on this, right? <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that I thought was freaking hilarious is that they got the office furniture somehow precisely right. My office has exactly, exactly those file cabinets and exactly those chairs. That's pretty funny. I was dying when you were when you were doing your live blog of this on the Discord. You blew up when you saw that office furniture, and I was dying laughing. It was it's, really funny. It's exact like it's exactly the same file cabinets that are in my office. It's hilarious. Like that's and pretty good. I what what a detail. I'm sure. It, like I don't know whether it was on purpose of, or accidental or whatever, but it's it cracked me up. There's a couple things that like in succession. The thing about Collier is like he's like, yeah, our government is operating like you know drone strikes to like illegally kill people across the globe, and they're surveilling. He's right. Yes. <laughs> he's just he's fucking right, which is uh, he's right. He's just an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. And I do like that, like, the failure state of this is not like the machine is in danger. It's, no, this is being released to the public. And, I mean, it's all going to be, you know, you get the sense that it's all sort of going to be probably swept under the rug. But. Yeah. Yeah. That scene at the very end where 
the machine is retasking operations onto Root. Uh-huh. And Root has this look on her face like, uh, what? And then she just kind of gets excited. That's exactly why Root is the analog interface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's not horrified. She's not scared. She looks excited by the prospect. And she, like, talks to... Um, like she's talking with Harold at the time and she gets, she like breathily says that like her dance card is full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's great. I love Root so much. The other, the other thing that it's like, I don't know, like it's, it, we've gotten it before, but I just wanted to point out the, uh, the, I don't, I don't know if there's a specific name for the track, but the vigilance theme or mm-hmm. call your theme. Yeah. They're, they're a little like leap motif. Yeah. It's like the, there's like, it's like an ominous, it's an ominous, like little, like deep chime in strings. And it's just mm, chef kiss. It's very good. I'm ready for, to be done with vigilance though. I, I don't know why I hate them so much, but I really dislike I mean, vigilance. I, I think like, you know, we've got two, we've got two more episodes, three more. You've got four it's, more show episodes and two more podcast episodes left in the season. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember specifically what we have next, just because I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. After after the season finale, we're we're gonna we're gonna circle back on this, and we're we, this is the conversation that Jude and I have been dancing around for like a season, <laughs> and we just need we need to like what like at the end of the season we just need to have this conversation and figure it figure out our feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm liking, I'm liking them because like, how can you have, how can you have the machine and like go into that without having essentially anonymous, right? I mean, the, the one thing I'll say is that like, they are, is that they are approaching it from the set, like a very like Hollywood libertarian militia yeah. sort of way, which, you know, it, yeah. it's, I think, I think that's the only thing that I'm like, is that the, the approach of vigilance and their sort of philosophy is very Hollywood yeah. politics. It's it feels like it feels like if Anonymous read way too much and ran. <laughs> um, yeah. Anytime you mix anything with Anne Rand, you know you're really like slinging a dirty insult at someone. Also, um, I, I, I wanna I wanna shout out for this episode. Um, control for her uh for saying that she'd straight up kill a senator <laughs> yes like not, she immediately like, like straight in, up she's like i kill you to protect this program um and then she like immediately cuts off the program you know she's bluffing but it's just like our well, lady of not, girl boss i don't even think she's bluffing she would kill she would kill him to protect the program if it was the if it if, if it, it would work yeah if it were protectable if, if, yeah yeah if if killing him had had saved the program she'd a hundred percent have done it the only problem was the the budget was out there in the wild there yeah. was no but if like killing him like two days earlier had saved could have saved the machine she'd have done it um and I'm sure yeah. she's wishing she had done it that way yeah no I love how she is utterly unimpressed with his bullshit and she's just like. Look, if it wasn't for me, you'd be fucking nothing. Don't don't step to me. Let me do my job, you petty fucking bureaucrat. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do have we do have some other funny stuff too with um with the the thread with Fusco and Harold. Oh yeah. Um first first with the first with the you know uh, the car ride, which ap- apparently the only music on offer was ACDC and the Dixie Chicks, which, sorry, H- sorry, Harold, but like, you're wrong. How, okay, so this this is just a, how I, long is the drive from D- from like New York to DC? Uh, it's around like three-ish hours. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, they're at, like, <laughs> the two cities are actually quite close. Yeah, no, I'm like, I mean, like, but like, yeah, like, I mean, three hours is what it takes to get to my folks. Um, yeah. Or to like Sacramento. And like, yeah, you know, I was thinking like, I was thinking like Vegas trip or like Los Angeles, which is like. Oh, no, it's not. Nah, like it's, it's really, it's, it's really quite close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, so, yeah. Harold. There's people, there's people who commute. Cool. Because you can, you can Whoa. take the Amtrak. You can That's take the, rough. like you can take the Amtrak between them pretty easily, and it yeah. goes pretty fast when Ugh. you know Amtrak isn't being Amtrak. But yeah, and then and then like they're they're doing stuff together, and then and, and then like they're like okay, this became an overnight thing, and Harold's like, 
I got this. I'm not staying in a motel. <laughs> yes. An not, hourly an motel. An hourly motel. God. Um, all I have, I, like, like we never see this motel, but all I have in my head is the... Yeah, or like the motels they would go to in Supernatural with like the vibrating beds. Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I'm sure. And and um I love I love Fusco like emerging from his room and they're they're sweet. He emerges mm-hmm. from his room in like the lush robe. <laughs> it's great. I, I love Fusco. I never expected Fusco to become one of my absolute favorite characters in this show. I remember at the start that you were very tepid on Fusco. And I remember making significant eye contact with Justin, like (laughs) just wait. Yeah. He gets so good. It is a matter of time. (laughs) It's what true inception is of like, you're like, I can't like, this guy is like a scumbag. And then you're like, Oh no, he's got some redeeming qualities. It's like, Oh no, I care about him. And then it's like, at this point it's like, Oh no, he's my favorite. God damn it. It's like, how did this happen? Yeah, it's it's to the point where it's like, I would be emotional if Fusco died. <laughs> it's 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 just further proof of like the tremendously good character work that this show does. And it's so remarkable because it's such like a dumb format to do that great character work. Like procedurals aren't well known for their like amazing character arcs, but Fusco has such a tremendously good one. Yeah. And God, it is just so good. And man, I just love it. I love how good his arc is and how you come around to thinking that he is just your favorite, because how could you not, how could you not root for Fusco by the end of season three? Right. Like he's just too good. Yeah. I love Fusco. All right. Um, We got anything else for this one? Nope. Not for me. All right. But yeah, we are going to be covering next time Death Benefit and Beta. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. Mm-hmm.